This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. This is part four of our four-part technology and finance discussion with Wharton International Management Professor Mauro Guillen and PwC partner Elizabeth Dieppe. Here, we help high school educators prepare their students to use technology to manage their money. Okay, so educators, of course, are, are very serious and also interested in finding out how they can prepare students to use technology to manage their money. So I'm hoping that we can explore for a moment ways that the classroom learning experience needs to adapt to this changing landscape of technology and finance. Um, technology is all about making life easier and faster, but that may not necessarily be a good thing when it comes to teaching comprehensive money management. For instance, technology can't compensate for a poorly developed budget or cash management plan. Patricia Page from East Greenwich High School in Rhode Island asks, how as educators do we ensure that the conceptual time-intensive framework needed to effectively use high-tech tools doesn't get overlooked in the scan, select, and done mentality? Liz, you want to take that one? Yeah, absolutely. I like the scan, select, and done mentality. That's very, very much how we function these days. Um, but, but I'll say that, look, today's high school students have grown up in a world surrounded by technology. They're comfortable in it, probably more comfortable than they are walking into a library and asking for a hard copy of a book. I, I don't think they'll know how, they would know how to do that because they've accessed everything uh, either in their smartphones or through their computers, et cetera. And I think that when it comes to financial literacy and helping young adults understand the basics behind the technology, the challenge that we have is how do we make a connection between the lessons that the students learn in front of the screen and then the real-world spending that, uh, that they're facing every day. And I think that the good news is that there are many programs being built today that integrate both worlds. I'll give you an example. There is a new app that's called JA Build Your Future, and it's, it's an app that helps teens, their parents, and, and teachers break down the cost of achieving uh, career goals into really easy-to-understand numbers. Uh, so if you want to go to college, it will take how many years you're away from um, going to school, what a saving plan could be, what loans you would take. So it develops a budget for you on a really easy way, great interface. And those are, that's just one of many other apps out there to teach classic lessons about spending, saving, earning, and sort of how do you share that money with the community. There are also apps that send real-time emails to parents about financial lessons the kids are learning as, as they play. So there are, there's a lot of game and learn um, apps that have developed and exactly for that, to sort of teach the core curriculum um, what's behind some of these money, money management tools that will help uh, individuals learn a little bit more and be more financial literate. Um, I'll tell you, that, I'll, and I'll put in a shameless plug for a great program that we have developed at PwC, um, and it's called Earn Your Future. Uh, and this is a financial literacy program um, focused on uh, teaching students on how to become more financial literate, and we've developed an entire financial literacy curriculum. And as part of uh, PwC's Earn Your Future commitment, which is a multi-year, $190 million investment in youth education and financial literacy, 
PwC has created our own, we've created our own financial literacy modules, and many of them is really to provi provide it for students and for educators free of charge and focus just on this, the concepts behind. And these are simple concepts around saving and investing, uh, saving for college, uh, how do you save for your first house, and getting out a loan. And I think that these are sort of the core uh, knowledge base that would make many of our students are more responsible financial users. Technology can be a great tool for teachers to help students understand complicated financial topics. How can digital tools and simulations that replicate things like online mobile banking and investing platforms be used most effectively in the classroom? Mara, I'm going to turn this over to you since you spend your days there. Well, for high school students, I would, um, you know, focus the attention on the five key financial decisions that they need to make in their lives. And uh, these are, you know, which college to attend, and there's a cost to college, and there's several ways of uh, funding uh, your education. Um, how about saving for retirement, okay? Um, buying a home, uh, so getting a mortgage, and uh, buying a car or a loan. And then perhaps the most important one these days is how to use your credit cards in a wise way so that you don't accumulate too much uh, credit card debt. And so what I would recommend to high school teachers is to tell the students, okay, go online, go to an auto dealership, right, online, choose a car that you would like to buy. And every dealer in the United States these days has a calculator there. So they tell you um, this is uh, the interest rate at which you can uh, borrow money. Um, you know, choose how much uh, down payment you want to make on this car. Uh, do you want to pay the car over three years or over five years? Um, and uh, also, um, uh, you know, other, other, you know, characteristics of the vehicle maybe can be factored in. And ask your students to go through that exercise of seeing how much can they afford, right? What kind of car they can afford. And ask them then to change some of the variables in those calculators, like the interest rate. Or go from paying the car in three years uh, to five years and see what impact that has on how much money you need to spend every month and how much money you end up spending on that car. Uh, do the same thing for college. Do the same thing for saving for retirement. So if you go to the websites of companies that offer these products, uh, these days all of them have a financial calculator that is specific to that particular purchase or that particular uh, issue. And I would encourage the students to experiment with that and to see how it works and uh, how if you change the interest rate or you change uh, the number of years or you change the value of what you're purchasing, how the monthly payment changes, right? Uh, or when it comes to uh, retirement, um, how much do you really need to save if you want to you know, continue having the same uh, standard of living when you retire as when, when you were working? That's the way I would approach it. What I think high school students need to understand is the value of money and more specifically, the time value of money. That is to say that money today is worth much more than money in a year from now or in five years from now. Uh, and so they need to think through all of those variables and how they interact. Uh, but I think it's easiest if you do it with specific things that they are very likely going to purchase at some point in their lives. They're going to purchase a pension plan. They're going to purchase a car. They're going to purchase a home. Mm, that's great advice. 
One of our educators, Aileen Carpenter of Royal Learning Center in Los Angeles, asks, what are some good online consumer money management websites and resources? Um, I know that Liz was already alluding to Earn Your Future, and I have to put in my own shameless plug for Knowledge at Wharton High School, which um, we will obviously have that resource available along with um, these podcasts. But we have web, we have uh, lesson plans and articles and all kinds of things that explore various different areas of, of consumer money management. And it's a great resource for both educators and for students. Would anyone else like to suggest any others? Well, this is a great question. And that you just mentioned several websites, uh, you know, that uh, should be uh, a great resource for high school teachers and for, for their students. And uh, as I mentioned uh, just a second ago, I think uh, you can also put your students in the real-life situations, like buy a car, go online and buy a car, go online and buy a pension plan, right? And see how, what kinds of decisions you need to make in order to be able to afford those things, right? Uh, so I think uh, any of these simulators, any of these financial calculators, especially if they're specific to a particular decision that you have to make in your life, um, I think can be uh, very useful, and they can serve a very um, uh, important pedagogical uh, function in, in the classroom. And I would encourage all teachers to uh, help students understand what are the consequences over the long run of the decisions, financial decisions that they make today. For example, how much you save or how expensive a car you buy, uh, depending on a number of variables like what are the current interest rates, you know, for how long uh, you want to uh, be paying down the, uh, the you know, balance uh, on, on the loan, and so on and so forth. I think it's really important to educate young people financially because yeah, they're in high school, they're 14, 15, 16, 17-year-olds, but uh, within a couple of years, they're going to be making big decisions in their lives, right? They're going to be, uh, you know, 18 or older, and they're going to have to start uh, making decisions for which they need to be prepared because they are complicated decisions. And there's so many ramifications. And making the wrong decisions uh, early on in your life, for example, accumulating too much credit card debt, is something that can, you know, uh, be highly problematic and can haunt you for 10 years or for 15 years. Mm, absolutely. That, and that's a great point. Maybe, Mauro, just echoing sort of your comment there, I think it's a great example and a great idea of going out and, and looking what a car would cost. But I also think that's something that a lot of students will be very interested in. And, and what I would add to that is then adding on to that conversation trade-offs. You know, what are those must-haves versus those nice-to-haves? That's something that we spend a little bit of time talking to the elementary school kids about, but I think at the high school level it's even more important uh, because we, we start talking about this concept of, you know, what's a luxury versus what's a necessity and really really identifying the differences between those two because, again, I'm out to your point, that's what gets you into the trouble of I've acquired this credit card debt, how much of that was for necessities and how much it was for things that I probably didn't really need. And sort of having those conversations I think is critical and having those at a very uh, early stage I think is, is very important. Um, and then one other site that I would just add for, um, for the teachers to look into is, is something as simple as Yahoo Finance. I think that Yahoo has a lot of great tools where, you know, taking it to the next level and start thinking about, well, what am I going to do with that savings, even if it's a small portfolio that you can, you know, automate it and manage with, the, you know, fake investment amount. And I think that that has been a great tool that we've uh, used sometimes at the high school level. 
to just simulate what what an investment portfolio will look like and what a $1,000 investment can do for you if you continue to manage that. And I think that's just such a great way to see how your money would grow um, by either saving it and making some saving decisions, investment decisions for yourself. Yeah, I think what I'm hearing is, of course, teaching the financial concepts is really important, but that experiential learning and really um, getting students to engage in different ways in these concepts is, is what helps them stick. So an increasing number of young adults are becoming victims of identity theft because they overshare through social networks, file sharing, and cell phones. This has huge implications for their consumer profiles, particularly their credit scores. Other than stating the issue, how can educators prepare students for this type of risk? Well, I think um, what needs to be conveyed to uh, these young people is that everything in life revolves around your reputation. Right? And I think they understand this because they know that, well, if you have a reputation as a, uh, as a nice guy, then there's certain things that uh, you, know, um, you can enjoy in terms of having friends and, uh, and so on and so forth. So they see that uh, the kind of reputation that we make for yourself in your social relationships, right, whether they are digital or face-to-face, has an impact. And I think they need to understand that this translates also into uh, the financial part of your life that building a solid, clean credit record uh, is really important. That uh, Accumulating credit card debt, or even worse, defaulting on your, or not uh, keeping up with your payments is a huge mistake, right? It's better to actually recognize that there's a problem and try to sit down with uh, whoever you owe the money to to see how you can get out of that situation than to just say, oh, I'm gonna skip a payment, because that stays in your credit report for a very long time. Uh, so it's really important for them to, to to understand this basic principle that everything is about reputation, right? Not just in social relationships, but also in um, in uh, when it comes to financial matters. And uh, yeah, I mean, social networks, um, smartphones, uh, it has become so easy to share information. Um, and we all know that uh, you can get into a lot of trouble, for example, if you share intimate pictures, right, with a very good friend of yours, because that person maybe, you know, uh, is no longer a friend of yours uh, uh, a little while later and then, you know, uses that picture of you to, uh, uh, to um, essentially uh, undermine your reputation in, in whatever community or social network uh, you happen to be operating in. Uh, so, so it's important to educate uh, young people about uh, the importance of privacy, right? And the issue with new technology, especially smart, uh, smartphones and mobile technology, is that it's so easy to share every intimate detail about our lives. And privacy is important. It's an asset that you have. I mean, you are the master of your own destiny to the extent that you share things that you want to share with others, but you keep to yourself other things that you don't want to share with everyone. Maybe you only share that with your family or with your closest friends. And I think this is really important to keep in mind. And along these lines, I think it's important for them to understand that increasingly uh, banks and other types of financial companies are using evidence from social media sites to calculate credit scores. And uh, there are a lot of startups that are trying to develop uh, the tools for credit scoring based uh, not so much on your own behavior, but rather on your social network and whom do you relate to and what kinds of things you and your friends do. So I think it's very important to convey to high school students that 
whatever they do online, whatever they do as part of a social network, whatever they do as part of uh, a digital community, um, will, you know, most likely have an impact, not just next week or the week after, but probably over the next five years or 10 years. And that if something goes wrong, it's very difficult to get rid of that bad reputation on your credit score. Interesting. So the digital footprint also impacts your, your financial profile. Absolutely. I didn't mention that term, but absolutely. Uh, and I think it, uh, high school students will understand that you have to be very careful about the kind of digital footprint that you leave behind. Mm. So I have one more question, and maybe both of you can weigh in on this one. What does technological innovation in personal finance mean for the future of money management? And how can we best prepare young people for this brave new world? Liz, do you want to lead? Yep, yep, absolutely. I, I think that it comes down to a lot of the things that we've talked about already. But the fact that technology has truly accelerated the, the, the pace and the frequency of um, change, not only in business, but also in our lives. I think that today, life and work activities tend to overlap. And to Mauro's point, there's this digital fingerprint that we're sort of leaving out there that we have to think about. But because all of our students will use the technology as a tool for managing information, I think that uh, it becomes imperative for us to hone in these lifelong learning skills um, that foster flexibility in career paths and confidence in how do we using this technology, how are we using the information that we're posting out there. And so I, I think that in classrooms around the nation, um, educators play such an important role in preparing the students to become responsible citizens in helping them think about what it means to post the information out in the, in the data world. Uh, what does it mean to use these tools, and what is it that is happening behind the tools? What are the concepts that they are essentially applying? And so that, that's why I think it all goes back to um, do they understand, do the students understand the core principles of what the tools are doing? And so what does this merger of technology and personal finance really mean? I think for young people, uh, is this understanding and having a foundation on, on financial literacy, understanding what budgets are, understanding the question around sort of balancing a checkbook and the fact that at the end of the day, that's you balancing your budget and your everyday lives. And that, that application of uh, how does that translate to what we do day in and day out. I think that in order to get there, we have a responsibility to spend time with this generation and prepare them to be financially literate at a very young age. And I think that younger than ever now because technology is giving them access to manage their finances at an earlier age than it ever has before. But uh, to still align uh, from Mauro, I think that it does take two to tango. I think that at the same time, uh, you know, as educators and a lot of the high school teachers that are listening to this, now uh, it is our responsibility to then become so much more uh, technologically savvy to be able to share our experiences and to be able to share uh, sort of those concepts with the students but put it in words that they understand which is really through the technological tools that they're using in their mo mobile phones and in their apps that's sort of how they understand it and so the better that we're able to integrate those two worlds I think the better that we'll get through some of these messages to them that will help them use the information responsibly. Yeah, so I, I just want to echo what Liz has been saying, maybe by emphasizing that, number one, you need to be financially literate. Uh, you need to understand the basic concepts. Uh, you need to understand how it works. Uh, and number two, uh, 
about technology, uh, technology is a very powerful tool. Uh, but it's a tool that, um, you know, can harm you. Uh, or it's a tool that can enhance your, your standard of living, that can, uh, you know, liberate you. Uh, you know, there's nothing predetermined about technology. And we're seeing that social networks are wonderful, but sometimes they get uh, some people into a lot of trouble. Um, so we need to educate young people as to the fact that technology is not just good uh, or only brings about good consequences. It depends on how you use it and for what uh, purposes. Um, but again, I think you have to start, as Liz was emphasizing, with financial literacy, with uh, an un basic understanding of how it works. And again, mostly through experiential uh, or simulation, experiential methods or simulations, I think uh, you know, people of that age group uh, will be more receptive to those ways of learning than just uh, you know, seeing a formula on the board as to how compound interest works, for instance. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.